You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television... I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on The Geekly Oddcast. Hello and welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show Podcast. I am your host, the Monster. Yes, it is another late podcast and much apologies on my end. At the time I'm doing this, it's going to be the day before I'm going to get some extractions done in my mouth. And uh, I, I know that it was coming. I didn't realize it was coming that soon. So, I may not be able to do next week's podcast, but for right now, I am talking. I still have teeth. For how much longer? Less than 24 hours to go! Alright, so for today's big three topics, we're going to be talking about the much-delayed King Conan movie. Also, we'll be talking about the last season now for Arrow. That's now been confirmed. As well as the last episode of Star Trek Discovery, which is called If Memory Serves. So it's a big episode, which I'll be talking about. So, as always, I have a lot of quick tidbits to talk about. But I'm going to gonna put this out there. I have not seen Captain Marvel this weekend. So I'm happy for all of its success. To have a female lead, that we have a female director. But also, and I'm not really kind of keen about this, and I'm not, and I'm going to explain myself in a moment. We do have a female composer. Her name is Pinar po, po, sorry, Pinar Toprak. And, you know, it, it did amazingly well over the weekend, and basically it, it broke a lot of of the glass ceiling for a lot of women that were working on this project. So for her being the composer for the soundtrack, I did not necessarily feel that she broke necessarily the glass ceiling on her merits. And I am the the least person that will say anything derogatory towards a woman. Women are capable, if not more, than any man can do any job. But, because I am a soundtrack guy, I listen to film scores ongoing. And a good soundtrack has to live without visuals. You need to feel something. You need to kind of, once you see the movie, then you have a way to visualize, again, the movies in those points. And I know I have not seen Captain Marvel. And it's sometimes hard to take 
certain elements that you hear and trying to visualize in your head when you haven't seen it. I get that. But it stands to reason that a good score has themes, it has motifs, it has elements that recur throughout the whole album. I did not feel that at all. I've listened to this contract several times and it's just, it's okay. It's nothing special. And again, I'm not saying anything negative towards her abilities because uh, Pinar has also worked on the score for the Krypton series, which I do like. She also also helped had, uh, Danny Elfman on the Justice League soundtrack also. So I'm not knocking her abilities. I just think it's that it's unfair to say that she broke the ceiling, albeit she's the first female composer on a Marvel movie that hadn't reached this kind of pinnacle point. But it's not a great soundtrack. And I'm hoping that when I do see it, listen to the soundtrack and see how it all plays out, that this will be, no, you're an idiot. Like I've said many times before, I don't see that right now. So it, it really bothers me when I see, you know, that aside from Captain Marvel making a boatload of money, I don't say this lightly, is that the film composer also broke the ceiling too. The significance of a female lead like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is a big deal. And I'm not knocking that having Hina uh, as a film composer is not something. But just because you're the first doesn't necessarily mean that that was the best score. So I'm curious if you listen to the soundtrack and if you've seen this movie, what are your thoughts about that? Because I kind of like, I want to be given a course correction down the road when I do see it and talk about this later, hopefully with Mr. Gene. But this weekend, I was kind of let down by that. I was so looking forward to that because that's what I do every single time I try to see a new movie, listen to the soundtrack to kind of get prepared for that. And this did not do that. All right. So let's go real quick because I have a couple of minutes left before I talk about uh, the big three. But a couple of big passings that happened. We had Jan Michael Vincent, uh, a great actor. And there was a series that I kind of used to watch. It was Airwolf. Back in the day when a movie called Blue Thunder with Roy Scheider came out. And then CBS did their own version of Blue Thunder called Airwolf. And I'm like, eh, it's not that great, but it's still kind of cool. Yeah. So sadly, he has passed. We also had Luke Perry, who also had passed. Not that I've ever seen Beverly Hills 90210. But he was in... Joss Whedon's Buffy, the first movie with Christy Swanson. And he played a, a character named Pike, which is odd like Spike later on, but he was in that movie. So, uh, another one King Kong Bundy. I've kind of admitted that I've watched wrestling back in the day, and the WWE was a big thing for me, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I remember King Kong Bundy going against Hulk Hogan and I'm like wow that's it's terrible that this is all happening that we've lost all these different icons 
But uh, yeah, Catherine Hellman, uh, Hammond from Who's the Boss and Soap also had passed pass last week as well. I'm like, again, I know people die every day, but there are just some that are a little bit more that stand out because you have a personal connection, whether you uh, idolize them or you watch them or you follow their career. It's it's hard to see that happening. So. But that's neither here or there. All right. So the other couple of things we have: Adrian Barbeau, yes, is coming to the Swamp Thing TV series. I don't know the extents of her um, her role, or if she's going to re uh, reprise the role that she did in the movies. Who knows? But hey, it's Adrian Barbeau. Damn it! That's all you need to know. Uh, the Orville is going to get their own comic book, so I'll find out more information about that. The other news is that Matt Smith is not in the new Star Wars movie, but the wet uh, the way he des- uh, described it was as as far as I know, I'm not in the movie, which means they did film something. So either it was cut out altogether, or he's throwing. Uh, Kind of like a cryptic message saying, no, I'm not in it. Kind of like what they did with um, uh, my uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for Khan. No, 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 we're not doing Khan. And then, you know how I felt about Into Darkness about Khan and that reveal. So, not happy about that. Uh, next, uh, we're going to get, of course, The Suicide Squad is going to be coming out later this year. But, not later this year, start filming later this year. Idris Elba is going to be taking up supposedly the mantle for Deadshot. So that is really cool and I can't be more excited for that. Um, we also have news about Melissa Fent 2 coming out, but I don't have time to go into the data at the moment. So I'm going to take a quick break at this time and come back to talk about King Conan. In a world where podcasters talk about the same old pop culture topics, two heroes must rise to bring forth a new era of podcast entertainment. The Cigar Nerds Podcast. Movie reviews, pop culture debates, news, science, and even beer reviews. We're stranger than stranger things and funnier than an evil sewer clown. CigarNerdPodcast.com We all smoke down here, Georgie. Monster, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. So yes, great line from Conan the Barbarian, delivered by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, am I eager for a Conan movie? Not really, but... It'd be kind of cool to kind of close the book, so to speak. Because in the two Conan movies, Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer, it ends with a much older Conan sitting on the throne with his hand on his fist, his hand on his knee. You know, it's always ending at that point. But that's a different, that's for another time, another story to take place to find out how did he get there? How did he become King Conan? 
And it hasn't happened for years. That's the sad part. And honestly, the first one is fantastic. Bloody as hell. Very enjoyable. And made Arnold a star. Next to Terminator, one of the two best roles that he's done. We kind of flash forward to Conan the Destroyer. Things are not necessarily the exact same level of violence. They tone down the blood. It's a bit more campy. It's a bit more uh, tongue-in-cheek. I mean, they got Wilt Chamberlain in there. <laughs> I'm like, why? Now, putting Grace Jones in it. Oh my god. She is a, a beast unto herself. And she really really did a great job <laughs> playing her bit. But it, it still came out to be, you know, a weird creature formless with this big giant horn. It, I, it just was dumb looking at many times. After that, nothing happened. Then we get like Red Sonia with Brigitte Nielsen. He kind of stars in it, but it's not Conan. It's some other character. So what's the point? What put him into another sword and not sorcery, but sword fantasy story like this? It was just basically the cash in on Arnold. But then Arnold has done other things. You know, he's on Terminator. He's done comedies. He became governor of California. So... In a weird way, it's just like he's now at that age. Well, why not film King Conan and just not make him look that much older than he first did it way back in the 80s? Well, it comes down to the rights. So Robert E. Howard, who created Conan, his estate has has the rights to that property. And someone did buy the rights. As Arnold had talked about in an interview, is that because this person is kind of new to Hollywood, he really doesn't know enough or doesn't know how to really make this Conan work. You know, there are people advising him, let's say, let's go to the movies and start new. Well, we already did that with another Conan the Barbarian movie in which Jason Momoa, who you know from Aquaman, played the role of Conan the Barbarian. And back then, I didn't think that was all that impressive. Sure, he had a good physique, but nothing like what Arnold had. Nothing close. I couldn't get through, like, maybe the first 20 minutes of it. So it was something magical about that first one. You really can't replace something that was so iconic. And I do remember Conan being a TV series. And that, that actor that played Conan on TV was a good friend of Arnold, who also was on uh, the Gladiator movie with Russell Crowe. So, 
that also kind of kept up with and happiness because you're on a limited budget because it's TV. So there is no, you know, serious treatment of a character that would rival or kind of compare to what has been done in the books or the comics that they did. So it, it's kind of a hard sell at this point, but since there's such a, um, not necessarily an, an excess of materials, but everything, and I do mean everything, is being looked at. So why is it that hard for the person who owns the rights to get the man who started this thing? Bring back Conan and make him King Conan on top of that. It's written right there. Just continue the storyline. How did he get to that point? And it could be as simple as what like what they did in Halloween with the original one with John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis. And yes, you had endless amount of, of sequels and all that fun stuff. But then you made this new one that came out last year and said, no, that's the direct sequel. And just do it that way. That's fine. You can do that with Conan. Make this King Conan the direct sequel to the first one. And just leave it at that. It would work. It can work. And why did I say that? Because in the meantime, Schwarzenegger is working on Terminator 6. And while James Cameron is not directing this, he is, I believe, producing this. And Tim Miller, who was kicked off the Deadpool 2 movie, is directing this. So, this movie, the Terminator 6, it's supposed to be tied in much closer to, I believe, the first two movies, if I'm not mistaken. So again, you can do this. It's just a matter of dotting the I's. It's not that hard to do. Now, is this going to be something that is going to be of a franchise? I thought it was hard enough to to be a fan of Conan because that was never a thing that appealed to me. Um, sword and sorcery, and it's okay. And I I'm I'm not a fantasy guy per se, but because there was enough elements with like the music and the acting and the story and the violence, it kind of was like pretty engaging. But I I just I don't see how you can do this any different. You know, let's just kind of continue where it started from, from the first movie. You know, I don't want to see like they try to do with Conan and the, the young warriors, you know, try to do an animated series. It Just stop. Just let's bring Conan to its natural, natural and logical conclusion. So we can have... A gray bookmark or a bookend, I should say, not bookmark, because bookmarks just are in the middle of the page, not the end of the book. Duh! I should know this because I'm a librarian, but apparently a dumb one. <laughs> but in any case, it makes sense to have Schwarzenegger come back. So, again, it's a no brainer, but sometimes you have to, like, 
when you have no control or no say in the project, just kind of keep at it and hopefully that will change because, I don't know, it, it doesn't make sense at this day and age that you're, you're, you're struggling with such an, an icon of a character and an actor that you just can't put the two together. You know, it's right in front of you, literally right in front of you. All right, so I'm going to take another break and I will be coming back to talk about the last season, sadly, of Arrow. You failed this series. No, he didn't. I'll be right back. My name is Brian Foster. Everything you know is wrong. Got that? Now, the reason that I'm calling is because I have begun to suspect you don't have any ladybugs in your freezer. Hey cuz, Roy here. So about your car. The darkness was never empty. There's this presence in my head. But I'm pretty sure that the book was confiscated by cats. You're damn right we find a lot of bodies when Foster is around. And some people call me the Night Blogger. So, our second part here is going to be, sadly, the news that Stephen Amell, who has played the Arrow, or the Green Arrow, or the Hood, the Vigilante, whatever you want to call him, the creator, so to speak, of the Arrowverse has now decided to wrap up its final upcoming new season that was renewed for a 10-episode finale. Kind of lining up with the crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, I am saddened that that has happened. It's not as if it's... It's not as if it was going to go on forever. The fact that we got the five-year run with the five-year backstory on the island, plus a couple more years on top of that, that's impressive. I will say that I own the first two seasons of Arrow on DVD because I thought the first two seasons are stellar. Absolutely fantastic. The kind of stuff that I would be proud to rewatch over and over again. Have I gotten to that point yet? No, I have not. Because I still am playing catch up on everything else. But the first two seasons, I was just floored by how well the storyline was done. I was amazed by the stunts. The, the physical work that Stephen Amell showed right from the very beginning, right from episode one, was impressive. 
I didn't even think this idea of an Arrow series would even make it this far. But right from the very beginning, I was impressed. And again, like I said, I've been so impressed, I bought at least two seasons of it. Now, it's had its troubles. Season 3 kind of went way downhill and kind of struggled a bit towards the end. But, you know, it wrapped up to the point where we got five seasons worth of Arrow episodes, which is the five years that happened to be the number of years that Oliver Queen was on the island. So it's hiding in. And I'm like, well, how can we continue doing Arrow without the damn island and all the flashbacks? Well, you don't in season six. And I'm like, that's great. See? You can't do this without the island. Until <laughs> we started going uh, in a different direction. <laughs> We're getting uh, future flashbacks, jump forwards in time. And it's getting a little bit more complicated than I would appreciate uh, this last season. Uh, things don't end well in the future, like Felicity and for Oliver and Team Arrow, basically, except for, I think, um, Wild Dog and Black Canary. But uh, I don't really care as much for uh, the storyline. And again, the original three, Felicity, Diggle, and Oliver that started this, the core. And they did work on separating Team Arrow to just back to the three of them versus the, the new additions to Team Arrow. And they did for a while manage to come up with a good story. I just think because it's, you have too much of a cast to give enough storyline that matters to everybody because a lot of it was all personal about Oliver and how he started crossing off names on a list to to write the vengeance or to write the wrongs because of his father and he was killing people and it wasn't until the season one where Tommy his best friend told him about you know checking a, a different course of action and he did that. So there was a growth into season two. So by now up to season seven, I don't know where else you're going to go with other than the fact that, you know, he is now married to Felicity and he's trying to raise his son that he kind of left before he even traveled to the island. And it's like, I think... I think you've run the gamut of what you can do with this one character. Albeit, it'd be nice if we get rid of everyone else, but that's what happens with any new series or any series, is that over time, it changes completely different to what it once was in the very beginning. And it's no one's fault. So, you have to do something. Either you continue doing what you're doing and watering down everything and making it a poor reason to watch the show or or you just pull the plug it's time to go and it's okay
you know, he's, he has done something that I thought it was not possible to not only have a great character, a great series, but also spin off so many good characters that came from that show. So is the Arrowverse still going to be the Arrowverse without the Arrow? It's not as if you're not going to call the MCU without the MCU like a Marvel movie because that's still a brand. And yes, it's a little weird and clunky to call it the Arrowverse. But, you know, we still have shows that are on the air. We still have Supergirl. Now, if we're going to cancel something, I would have said, let's cancel Legends of Tomorrow because that's kind of like, that's lost its way um, from the season. The first two seasons I was on there and... Even though there's, there's Constantine, who was on Arrow, and he did a nice, great cameo, uh, I I can do without with Legends of Tomorrow, the way they're going. I, I don't like what's happening. But it's still on. So, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. We still have Black Lightning that I haven't even touched and crossed over with. So, we're still going to get Batwoman, hopefully, because I haven't done the pilot yet, at least not yet. Constantine is going to get hopefully his series because that's also come up as big news. So, again, because of Arrow, we've got, you know, a great legacy, so to speak. So, if anything, this is what's going to be a, a good uh, tribute to the, the Arrow versus how many things have spawned from there. And then from there, how much they can spawn off on their own as well. So, the only thing that I can take away from all of this is that because this is Earth 1, right? And we've seen in past crossovers, like an alternate version of Arrow. Well, in the future, we can do one of two things. We can make Roy the new you know, Arrow. We can go with Amiko Queen and let her be the Arrow. We can do that. Or bring in another actor from another Earth and make him the new Arrow. Make him more comic booky, Or make him, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to do. I, I just think that let's make this brand new and reinvigorate it as a character and, and have fun with it. Because... Honestly, Arrow at times was just like not very funny and, and kind of joyless at times. And Felicity for all her, you know, spunkiness at the very beginning. Without that, it was just like there was no reason to watch because it's kind of dark and brooding. And it shouldn't be. I mean, it's not Batman, but if it has a lot of Batman overtones, you know, that he's willing to take this pressure, all of this on his own, doing it alone, and like, he doesn't want to include anyone else, I'm like, okay, but you know, you can always do that, just, just like with Black Canary, uh, Laurel, they killed her off, they brought in the other Laurel from Earth 2, which, I, don't get me started why that even happened, but in any case, it did happen, so you can always do another Oliver, okay, so, whatever the case is, Thank you for giving us, you know, a great series, and you did not fail the series. So, I'll leave it at that. 
All right, so another break is coming up, and I'll be back to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. My name is Christopher Pike, commander of the Space Vehicle Enterprise. Our destination is the Talos Star Group. The Talosians were first visited by Enterprise, and it is the root of Starfleet canon. It goes back to the very first episode of Star Trek, the, the original pilot. Their idea was to keep a human to learn from. This is all some sort of trap. And Pike had a, a very particular experience there with this woman. This is Vina. It turned out she was living in the fantasy that Telosians provided. Are you real? Perhaps they made me out of dreams you've forgotten. And Pike chose to leave. I can't go with you. Dealing with that important a part of canon uh, was, it came with a sense of responsibility and a sense of, oh my God, seriously, I get to do this? That was a little clip from Anson Mount, who is our Captain Christopher Pike on the Star Trek Discovery TV series. Now, as you have known, if you listen to this podcast, I have struggled with Star Trek Discovery, but I've enjoyed Season 2 much more than I've done for Season 1. This episode, I think, is kind of like a defining mark for the series. Granted, Every series that has some type of fan service that we want to have. Like for everyone who has followed this series for years. To kind of look back or make reference to things that we've seen before. Now, when Gene texted me about this episode, uh, he had said basically that he was turning hit. Than turning into his calm badge because this episode was crap. Um, and he wrote, he said, I think the episode tries to uh, hard to, to a piece of hardcore trackers like me. And the casual trackers of the show are going to be joining Lost. Um, and then he said that he even had to go back to the original Cage episode to remember and the menagerie to remember what was going on. But you know, for the most part, there are things that I got me excited from the initial trailer when I saw the aliens have like this new updated look. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Just like when in season one they had the Andorians and um, what the pig with the Tellarites uh, having a new look, and that kind of like, okay, I can go with that. So the Telosians kind of look different. And Tony had also mentioned from who did the previous podcast on Star Trek that, and I agree on this point, that they should have stuck with the female casting like they did with the original Cage episode uh, in which they overdubbed 
uh, their voices with a male actor, but it's their female uh, bodies just with a performance. So that I would say yes. The big point that I would say that they missed, and this has to do with the continuity uh, of things. I've said before in, I don't know which podcast, but the way that I said I would be happy the way this would all work out is that if this is the way the show is going to look, then they need to retcon everything. Go back to stuff that happened before and make it seamless. So we get Enterprise showing up in the very last scene of season one, right across from Discovery, and it's updated. It's not the old TOS POS <laughs> that we had back in the day. But it's the new updated, kind of like a movie version of that. So that's the first clue. They're like, okay, we're doing this. So the opportunity that the people on Discovery missed was right from the very beginning. Granted, it's nice to have seen a callback to the original pilot that was never aired but you can find it again in, the, in your DVDs or however you want, it, way you want to watch it but they should have re-shot with Anson Mount and I forgot the, the new Spock those scenes refilm it the way you would do with Discovery that this way it's consistent because it's off-putting to see Jeffrey Hunter and then Anson Mount and make them say it's the exact same character. Same thing with Vina. That, I think, is what took me away from, you know, kind of really embracing the relevance of this series, bringing back this classic Trek alien. And, of course... Vina is not going to be the exact same woman and say it's like same thing with Jeffrey Hunter. So it just makes more sense logically to have filmed it the way you've done this already for the TV series and, and made that easel, that, that connection better to fit. So it goes back to Burnham and now Spock, who finally we have more into the scene because before up to now like what seven episodes before we've seen very little of Spock other than in flashbacks or as a young version of Spock so Spock has to go to Talos 4 he feels that the explosions will be, will be able to help unravel his mind and look I get why they had to go there It's just the, the relationship between Burnham and now Spock. I really don't, really don't care anything about them. The, even the explanation when we see the rivalry <laughs> between them as to, you know, her telling him off, you know, I never liked you or I don't want you in my life. Or That's, I get that, but... Why would you never speak of your sister? 
Why is it now that we have a sister? Look, if I'm going to compare to the situation to like Anakin back in the Clone Wars, the animated series, then he was getting a Padawan. Everyone was saying, wait a minute, Anakin never had a Padawan. There was no mention of a, a Padawan. Yep, you're right. There was none. But in they stuck it in there. And I was kind of like, eh, whatever, Sky Guy. Okay, fine, we'll go with, with Ahsoka. But Ahsoka turned out to be a fantastic character. Not only in that series, but also showing up on Rebels. And hopefully that character, I haven't read the books or continued after Rebels um, at a certain point. But it's an amazing character. And now, like, I can't think about Star, uh, Star Wars without her in there. So when we go back to Spock and Burnham, I don't feel that connection at all. I've never felt anything from Burnham. And the flashbacks that we've seen so far hasn't really allowed me to feel much of anything towards her backstory. The one moment that I can recall that I felt like, no, I know that feeling. Um, Burnham in the, the time travel episode with um, Harry Mudd. That Stamets was the one that was able to like, you need to tell me something that only you know, that you know, that what I'm going to tell you is for real. And that secret was that she's never been in love. And I get that. And that was an honest raw emotion but up to this point i still don't buy the explanation why she was taken in by a vulcan family do we not have relations with terrence or people of starfleet that could take this child back to their family or if that's the case if she didn't have family and sarah decided to adopt her I still don't understand the logic of that, bringing her to Spock. So, a lot of little loopholes that I'm just like, I'm just not connected to this whole backstory between them. Even though it's an important storyline when you have them appearing on Talos 4. And so much for the little reveal about uh, Spock, say goodbye. No, say, say goodbye Spock, and then Spock says goodbye Spock, and then they beam off from Section 31. Because that was already teased in a couple of promos ahead of time. So I'm like, why are you doing this? You know, it was, I really hate the way sometimes marketing happens to promote things for the show and say that's a clever episode or a clever moment. It's not because it just ruins the impact. So when I knew that scene was going to happen, I'm like, oh, so they're just going to beam out and that's it. Well, it turns out to be an illusion. So, it turned out to be like an important episode that I'm like, it's a nice little callback and it should have had a lot more significance. Didn't turn out to be much of anything. So, and I'm really kind of disappointed in the end overall because of where it's going. But I'm sticking with it. Uh, just like Gene is, just like Tony is, who's enjoying it a lot more than I am. But that's okay. We all have our opinions and that's fine.
So that's going to be the end of my podcast for this week. So fingers crossed for next week and my ability to speak. Not that I have been doing a great job because lately my thoughts have been running quicker than my mouth. So you can see I'm kind of mushing around with my words at times. So I do apologize. But in any case, please take the time to email me at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com. Follow me in the various social networks. You can always send me some good uh, get well wishes, you know, because I'm going to have surgery tomorrow. But, you know, only if you care <laughs> to share. In any case, thank you very much for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.